Hey, everybody, before we get to the show, just want to mention that we've got a Be That Lawyer live marketing mavericks coming up on September 28th at noon central. We've got some of the most amazing legal minds, uh, Eric Olson, Jared Correa, Guy Sakalakis, and Jocelyn Brumbaugh, all coming to answer your toughest marketing questions. Uh, you can sign up on our events page on fretson.com. Hope to see you there. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Well, hey, everybody. How you doing? Steve Fretzen here with Be That Lawyer. I hope you were having a lovely day today. Uh, I just got back from a fishing trip again with my kid up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. Julie, I think they just rated Green Bay, Wisconsin as like the nicest place to live in the country. The U.S. News and World Report. And I think that's a load of crap. Like there's no way that's possible. And, and if you're listening from Green Bay, by the way, great fishing, love fishing up there, caught a lot of walleye, missed a muskie. I want to kill myself with that. But um, just had a great time. But I don't know, best place to live. Eh, not so sure. Anyway, how you doing? It's red wine. Good. They do have their cheese, so I've heard. Yeah, uh, the cheese and the meat. That's uh, they do a lot of cheese and meat production up there. And in fact, one of the guides we had up there was uh, runs a uh, like a dairy production thing in Rockford, Illinois, but lives up there in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and must be making that commute every day. I'm not sure how that works. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Meat and cheese. We're here to talk about helping you be that lawyer. Someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. And listen, I try my best every single week, twice a week, to bring you guys amazing guests. Uh, and today is not going to be any different. I've got a doozy with you and uh, and Julie, and we're gonna, you know, ignore, and you know, we talk about business development, marketing, all this stuff. But one thing we don't talk about a ton on the show is is presenting, speaking, and in this case, virtual events. So Julie and I are going to take a deeper dive in that. But as we do, we start with the quote of the show. I just got back, by the way, I'm talking a lot about me today, in case you didn't notice. I just got back from Amsterdam as well a few weeks ago, and I saw the Vincent van Gogh Museum, and that was pretty cool. And so this is a Vincent van Gogh quote, and it's, what would life be if we had no courage to attempt anything? And so welcome to the show, Julie, and, and happy to have you, and also talk about that, uh, that quote. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, I'm originally from Europe, so that, you know, van Gogh is near and to my heart because of that and he does beautiful art but i think the quote is you know sometimes the leap of faith to do something different and if you don't try you're not going to get anywhere and failure is success so it just it's one of those quotes when you know you asked me what a quote for me and i felt like a task i was like i don't know i do dr seuss like where should we go with this yeah uh that one just stood out to me and really speaks to my experience and my journey well, they say people can learn a lot from green, green eggs with ham. So there you go. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, Van Gogh, I mean, he was absolutely brilliant. And I just, that was one of my favorite museums and one of my, and even in Paris, we went to Paris and saw a lot of his art and heard a lot of the history of him and his brother and just everything that he went through. Holy mackerel, what a life, what a short life, but what a life. Very short life, but yeah. very impactful. Yeah. And Julie, I am going to mess up your last name. So just be prepared. You just gave it to me again and I'm still going to mess it up. It's Julie. Migliacci. Great job. Oh, it took okay. me six months of dating my husband to get that name correct. Okay. All right. Well, there we the go. Hard name. 
that. <laughs> and you're the co-owner of Revent Consulting. And I've just so, when we met, I was just so intrigued by your business and what you do and how impactful it can be in a time where a lot of stuff is happening virtually. And a lot of people are making pivots and shifts from live events and conferences to virtual. And, and so I really wanted to pick your brand on that. But do, before we get into the weeds on, on it a bit, Give us, give us your background and, of course, that Be That, Love, uh, Be that Lawyer tipping point that I love to hear. So I, as I mentioned, I'm from Paris, France. I am a corporate brat, so I moved all around the world. My, that's how my mom deep cleaned the house. We would just move countries uh, for my childhood. And then started working after college, started working in hospitality, started doing events, was doing big in-person events in New York City. And then the last crisis happened, so 2000, 2009, and I started working in virtual and hybrid events and saw sort of the future of the event industry, was working for a big streaming provider, working with the who's who. At the time, was mostly Fortune 100 companies doing hybrid and virtual events and really just fully fell in love with it. And then four years ago, with my two partners, we broke away to create Revent because we that was our tipping point. We saw a big change in the event industry where people wanted to do more virtual. They wanted to do more hybrid. And as the technology to be able to do that settled and became stable, they didn't know how to do it. Do I need one camera, two cameras, three cameras? How do I engage my web audience? What platform should I use? How should I use it differently? How do I stand out? So we really launched with the idea of helping people take that lead. And then COVID happened and things got really, really nutty as the whole world discovered what we do. Yeah. And so what was the, the then the tipping point? Was that going out on your own and kind of building a business around that? Yeah, that was that was big and scary. I grew up. It's a, it's a big leap. You know, I grew up with a father that worked in a huge corporation. I thought that that was the path forward was to keep tracking within a company and just moving your way up. And realizing that that wasn't my path, uh, nor was it for my partners. And, you know, entering a partnership is a big deal. Finding people that you can work with and disagree with and get along with and do all the things that come with a partnership is a huge leap. I thankfully have a husband that has a stable job that allowed me to take that jump. And I'm so thankful for it because it's been the greatest four years of my life. Like, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bit on a different spectrum. I mean, I, my father always said, if you're, if you, you know, the best thing you can do in your life is to work for yourself. And that's not for everybody, but I knew that it was for me. And the beauty is having like a sales background, like I knew that whatever I did, as long as I could sell the service, serve, sell the product, in this case, I've, I'm actually teaching sales, but our, or sales-free selling, I should say, that it's, you know, it, it hasn't been easy, but it hasn't been like if I was uh, an engineer that decided to go into, you know, some, you know, random business, like buying a business and then having to figure it all out. Um, and you had all that experience of being in the field well before you started your own. So I think that while still scary, still gives you, you know, quite a leg up. It does. But unlike you, we had no sales experience. We were ops people. We made it happen. Somebody else sold yeah, it. We made right. it happen. <laughs> so so how, did you, how, did you, how did you pick up on that? I mean, was that, did you hire a coach? Did you just figure it out through trial and error? Trial and error at first, word of mouth. COVID was obviously very helpful because so many people just needed the help. 
So word of mouth is huge for it. Networking is huge. And I work with a coach now and just trying to learn every day. I'm the most extroverted of the three of us. So I naturally more stepped into that role. And I'm finding that I really enjoy the sales process. You know, like it seems so daunting and scary, but four years in, I enjoy it. It's fun. Like you get to meet different people and help people in a different way. Yeah. And the, the way that I teach it, it's it's not about selling, convincing, pitching or running in circles to do RFPs and do proposals. It's really walking a buyer through a buying decision and not wasting time on the wrong people. It's all about qualifying and listening and learning and understanding. And I just, when it's done properly, there's, it's just very, very easy, fun, chill. Like it's okay if somebody's a no, because I know why. And it's not a mystery. And I didn't waste hours or days or weeks chasing after somebody. So I think, you know, that's really important. And, and one of the best ways to develop, I think, leads as a lawyer is to be seen as an expert, number one, and number two, to be put in a room where your audience is, the general counsels, the CEOs, the other lawyers that can refer you, and being in a position to not only present your expertise, but I think it has to be done in a way that's going to be productive for everybody. So I know that speaking was huge and legal for years, and people were traveling all over the country to speak, and then that got knocked away with COVID, and now people are moving into virtual are things still slow for lawyers or people in general that are that are looking to that have been speakers and maybe haven't got back into the flow of it? It definitely has shifted. So we during COVID, we saw a huge spike in attendance rates, like huge spikes where previously for free event, both virtually and in person, 30 to 40 percent turnout was a win. And then all of a sudden we're seeing like 80 percent turnout now. Post-COVID, what we're seeing is more like 20 to 30% being a win for both virtually and in-person for free event. So I'm not talking about being ticket ones. So there's definitely been, I think, an oversaturation of events and speaking and, you know, lecture type format events during the last three years. And now there's a little bit of a whiplash as nobody wants to sit through an hour long lecture anymore. like. I think attendees want more and they mostly want to connect with people. So if you're out there on a speaking circuit, really thinking about that. The, I recently read a stat that really resonated with me. The number one reason people attend a hybrid or virtual event is to network. And it's also the number one thing that gets cut when you're in the planning process. So if you're out there on a speaking circuit, like, really think about that. Networking is a driver for an attendee to show up. How can you bring that into your speaker pitch and then actually bring it into your experience, whether you're in person or virtual? Yeah. I also think like there's a, a larger potential for an audience that's willing to not have to drive or fly to sit in front of their computer, take an hour during lunch or take an hour and sit through or participate in something versus, you know, hey, I've got to get out of my office in the middle of my day. I've got to now walk across, you know, the loop of Chicago or I've got to drive an hour to get whatever and and and, and go there. And then I got to sit there for two hours because there's a networking section, a part of it, as well as the presentation. And then so now we got half a day invested in something where now it's it's an hour and it's legit an hour. Mm-hmm. It starts, it ends. I mean, there's pros and cons to that, 100%. It's just a matter of, of maybe looking at looking at it from, from both sides. 
100%. And not every event should be virtual. Not every event should be in person and not every event should be hybrid. I think what's interesting now post-COVID is that as an event planner or as a speaker, you now can look at what you're trying to do and find the right system for you. Are you in, If you're doing a quick talk, virtual is the way to go because, again, you don't want to suck all that time for your attendees. If you really want to do something hyper-interactive, really engaging this more of an experience, it should be in person. If you're doing something somewhat quick that can really work in the hybrid space and you have an audience that's more dispersed, diverse and dispersed, there we go, I can find the word. Hybrid is the right format for you. So really thinking about what's the right spot. I recently went to an in-person lecture and I was a little annoyed. It took me an hour to get there. The whole thing lasted 45 minutes and an hour to get home. That should have been a virtual event. Right, right. Okay. So that's a good lead into there are people either looking to set up virtual events or be a part of a virtual event or they've done it. What kind of mistakes are people making when they set up and execute on a virtual event, either on their own or with, you know, some host, someone that's hosting them? I think the number one mistake people do with virtual is that they tend to make them too long. So the quote-unquote Zoom burnout, Zoom's getting blamed for it, but it's really virtual burnout, is kicks in about 37 minutes. Mm. So a lot of events go past that point. So if you can keep it short, there's a reason why network television shows are under 25 minutes. And so they can get two episodes in before burnout kicks in. Are you, so, are you trying to say that we have short attention spans? 100% we do. <laughs> As specifically virtually or at home, like your cell phone starts distracting you, your email, all those notifications really impact you. So that's the number one mistake. And we really try to push our clients to be like every 30 minutes, you either need to give them a break and your event, give them a poll question, do a breakout room, allow networking, do something different to recapture their attention. That's when you start losing them. You don't want to get that burnout point without trying to reach. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking about too, is like this, like the way that I see events, whether they're virtual or in person may not matter that much is I sort of see it like a story. Like there's some planning elements to promote it and make sure that you get the best audience you can get. There's the actual execution where you're talking about like, Hey, are you doing breakouts? Are you doing an interactive? How are you keeping people's attention? Then there's a follow through piece. And I find that a lot of people just kind of show up, do their thing, leave. And it's almost like if a tree fell in the woods and no one was around to hear it, did it fall? Like, it's like, not, it's like almost like it never happened. And so that's my biggest thing when I think about what events I'm running or the events that, that I'm attending is how is the person really building the audience, executing to give value, and then following through to like, is there a next step? Is there some takeaway, giveaway? How are they getting feedback? That type of thing. And, and that's huge. I was actually in my call right before this. I was talking to somebody of uh, the number of events, whether in person or virtual, that don't think uh, send a thank you email afterwards with the recording or sorry, we missed you with the recording. I would say unofficially, 70 percent of events don't even bother. That's huge. You want to continue to re- it's simple. It's an email like, thank you for coming. Here's the recording. 
for slicing up the recording into little bite-sized 30-second snippets for social media, for LinkedIn. Keep that content flowing. Just because the event is technically over doesn't mean that that information can't live on forever. Yeah. And that's a mistake we see a lot of people make. And, well, I mean, that. and then just to add, I mean, that your comment about taking the information that was given and breaking it up into clips or utilize repurposing. I think that's, you know, how, you know, how hard is it to write an article? How hard is it to, you know, get content that's valuable? You have it literally produced and recorded, and then you're not doing anything with it, you know, for shame. You're not using the transcripts, you know, for SEO. You're not using the clips for maybe promotions for future events. Uh, you're not using it to kind of social media and get branding. I mean, that's, that's most people, but that's unfortunate. Yeah. And I, you know, if you're looking to plan a virtual event, that should be part, part of the planning process is what are we doing with the post? What are you doing with, you know, depending on what platform you're using, you could get detailed analytics of what your attendees did, like what they clicked on, how long they stayed on it. Did they ask a question? What question did they interact with other attendees? Did they set up meetings. You get all this content and all this data, and then you just sit on it. Yeah. As you all know, finding amazing employees can be the toughest job for any law firm leader. You deserve to run the law firm you've always dreamed of, but you can't get there without a great team. To get staffed up, they will help you by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time, offshore executive assistance, legal assistance, marketing assistance, and much more. The best part? They will find you a highly qualified English-speaking VA based in Latin America for only a fraction of the cost locally. At Fretzen, we use Get Staffed Up for marketing person, and you know how good our marketing is. Learn more at getstaffedup.com slash be that lawyer. Hey, everybody, check this out. You've just had a call with a client where they need help with something you don't do. You've reached out to colleagues, you've searched the lawyer directories, and you simply tell them you don't know anyone that can help. Overture changes all of that. Overture is the first private attorney network designed for the country's best independent attorneys to refer matters to one another and ethically share in referral fees. It's a great way to keep your clients happy and build your practice with referred clients. It's by the founders of LegalZoom. Membership is free if you're accepted, but act now to get priority access to referrals for your state and practice area. Apply for membership at overture.law. Overture.law. Lawyers, there's an easy way to boost your law practice. Partner with Get Visible, the digital marketing agency that makes you stand out. Meet Sarah, an awesome lawyer but a terrible marketer. Get Visible helped her build a powerful website and boost her online visibility. Now she ranks high on Google, gains clients through ads, and engaging content. Tired of feeling insignificant? Make it rain. Visit GetVisible.com and stand out. Something that I did recently, and it got so much traction on uh, LinkedIn, I was so happy I did it. So I run a number of peer advisory roundtables, and I bring in guest speakers to, you know, talk with them about, you know, leadership or talk to them about time management or whatever the topic of the day is. And at the end of it, I said, hey, everybody, would you mind just taking a quick, let me do a quick screenshot. Everybody smile, thumbs up, whatever. And everybody was so happy. It wasn't like I had to pull their, you know, pull teeth to get them to do something simple. And then I posted that on LinkedIn, you know, thanked the speaker, mentioned and named the people in that were in the room. And they then commented and shared and talked about how great the speaker was. And it was like everybody won 
And of course, it was great, you know, branding for me on the roundtables and the fact that I have amazing speakers come in. So it's something as simple as just remembering to do a screenshot of the audience or the people that are attended is huge. And it's so simple. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, we're not talking about spending thousands of dollars here. These are very simple things that you can do to just continue that engagement. And you can use that same picture to the next time you do a roundtable, be like, throw back for our last one. Can't wait for this one and tag your upcoming speaker and, you know, continue to use that content over and over and over again. Yeah. I took that picture and I actually sent it to my, to uh, get visible, my website folks, who by the way are amazing and a sponsor of the show. Uh, and I had them updated on my, on my website as for the, for the peer advisory roundtables that I'm running. Cause it was just such a great snapshot of happy, you know, entertained, educated people that, you know, that I just, I couldn't keep it a secret. I had to, you know, I had to post it. So let's talk about some additional tips for planning a virtual event. So let's say there's a lawyer. The lawyer is an expert at, let's say, um, employment law. All right. There's new laws coming up all the time from the state of Illinois, for example. They're on the forefront of knowing what those are. They think, hey, I can get ahead of this. By the way, that's just a good idea in itself. Like what's going on that's relevant? Get ahead of it. Get out there with that presentation. And then what are they doing to set up and, and then get that audience? Like how do you get an audience and get you know, 25 to 50 people in a room, a Zoom room or whatever to do a presentation on a topical subject like that? Uh, definitely, I would get a great marketing partner. So we work with a ton of marketing agencies with that. That's what they do. They help drive traffic to whatever you want it to be. So in this case, we would want it to get to a registration page. You always want to do a reg page because again, you get that data. Mm -hmm. uh, and then think about what you want that session to be. So not every virtual event is a Zoom meeting. You could also, what can be considered a Zoom event is a live 10-minute stream to your LinkedIn page, your Facebook page, your X page is what we're calling it now. Uh, all your social media. What is that? I'm sorry. What is that X page? Is that what you're calling? Oh, Twitter. Oh, Twitter. Oh, man. I'm not sure about that. X. We'll see. I try to use it. I thought you were, you know, right. Got to mention the name of the page. And she just inserted X. No, it's Twitter. It's called X. Twitter. Boy, am I, I'm a little slow on this. Twitter. You know, live streaming to your social pages. If you're using a platform such as StreamYard or Restream, it actually pulls on the live comments from your attendees into that recording so that you can live address it. Be like, oh, we have a question from Steve on LinkedIn. Steve, I see your question. So you can have that interaction. And then that lives on on your social pages forever until you decide to take them down. So that's one way to do a virtual event. That's just a really quick hit. So you can be like, hey, this is a new law that's coming out. This is what impacts you. If you need more information, this is how you contact me. You could do a full conference. So you can use uh, Zoom meetings, Zoom webinars, Zoom events. You can also use platforms such as WebinarNet events that allow you, those platforms will allow you to do more of a full branded high-end experience television style show. So you want to make sure you're using the right technology for what you're trying to do. And so that's the question. Is it a quick hit lecture? Is it a long form lecture? Is it more of a brainstorming like workshop type of feel? And then find the right technology that will allow you to do that. 
So let me ask you, because there's Zoom meeting, there's Zoom webinar, and then you said there's Zoom events, and I, I want to break that down. So right now, like, for example, I have the Zoom webinars, and so we do a Be That Lawyer Live tech talk, you know, which is coming up soon, uh, or may have already happened, I'm not sure, uh, based on when this is going to air. But that's where I have like three panelists, and I'm the moderator. And so I set it up as a webinar because that allows me to really highlight them on the screen and everything. And I wasn't getting that from just the Zoom meetings. So what are the, like, the, you talk, let's just, let's not go anywhere, but those maybe three levels or layers of events. So what's Zoom? What do you get with like Zoom event, Zoom, not events, uh, Zoom meeting, the basic? Zoom meeting. So we've all been on a Zoom meeting. So it's the, the many platform. So you can, depending on your license, you can have up to even a thousand people on, but it's meant to be hyper interactive. So anyone at any point can unmute themselves and speak and be heard. You have breakout rooms, you have all those features, but it's meant to be really, really interactive. So we advise that for workshops or what you really need, hyper interactive Q&A. And it's really not meant to be a full lecture. It's the equivalent of sitting around a conference room. Zoom webinar is the one-to-many. So you have a stage, which is where you have your panelists, and then your attendees, which are behind a virtual wall, so equivalent of an auditorium, that you have speakers on a stage and everybody in the audience is watching. And maybe you allow them to have a mic, which is your Q&A box, or you can even promote them to speak to break that wall a little bit. But it's a lot more controlled. So you want to use that for more lecture formats where you might do Q&A, but it's a little bit looser. Uh, Zoom webinar also allows for branding now and custom backgrounds and all that jazz. So you make it look a little bit different. And then Zoom events is more like your conference center. So it's walking in, there's a registration, you have your speaker bios, you can highlight some sponsors. And all your events for that day and all your meetings and webinars are listed there. So it becomes sort of a hub where attendees can go and interact with each other and get more of a full event experience. And that's really cool. And uh, I mean, a lot of people are moving these, these actual conferences to these virtual conferences. And what I keep hearing is not necessarily that they're so much better, although I've heard that, that. They're just, it's just so, so efficient and easy and you didn't have to fly in. I mean, you miss out on the networking. Like if that's the reason that you're going is to network, then you may miss a lot of that. But if you're going for the content, I mean, then it's kind of a no-brainer. If networking is still a big part of your event and you can't afford to do it in person because it's very expensive to put on and it's also expensive to go, there are platforms such as Excel events where there's actually an algorithm that will recommend other attendees to you. So it'd be like, oh, Steve's a lawyer coach and you're a lawyer. You guys should speak. And in the platform, it allows you to launch many meetings on video, allows you to change business cards information. So if you want to replicate that networking, it will never be the same as walking through a conference hall. Like it is what it is. But it does give you more opportunities than a standard Zoom webinar, for example. Yeah. And, and Julie, you're in the business. So what, like, what, do you, what is your business? How are you helping? Let's say that I, I mean, I'm doing all of the events myself and I'm working with my uh, marketing assistant, Sergio, who's amazing. And I'm putting on these things and I'm doing just it all myself. And I may be making mistakes. I may not be doing things that, you know, the total power, like what would you help me with or a law firm or a lawyer with 
in, in helping them build out a speaker series or helping them just like get this thing really to the next level. Cause I think doing it, there's a level that you can get to on your own. There's a level you can get to when you work with an expert. Totally. You know, similar to learning sales, you can dabble on your own and eventually you just need the next step up. We love working with that person that's been doing it for a while or even novices, but they know they need to elevate what they're doing. So often it's a brain pick. We'll have a big working session or what have you done? What have you gone to and like, what have you gone to and not like what, you know, just going through that often will help them elevate their technology. So many people use Zoom because we're familiar with it. It's comfortable. We like it. But that might not be the right choice. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. So we'll dive into that. Then we'll dive into the agenda and the content and how can we help make it more interactive. We're always looking to make things more interactive. Specifically when you're virtual, the 30-minute lecture feels like three hours. So how can we help just make it more interesting? How can we bring in attendees a lot more? How can we make do we need an MC to break up the room and make it a lot funner? We work with some amazing MCs that just keep the, then change the voice. So right around that 30 minute mark, when you're going to see the MC pop up, again, we're changing the environment, changing the voice, and then making it feel more like a television style show. Lower thirds, graphic, music. Uh, there's always a backup. So if you're, for example, Steve, you would be speaking, you have a slide deck. We're going to make sure we have that slide deck. So if you have technology issues, we could pop right in and it's a 30 second blip instead of a five minute ordeal. We're like, yeah. do you see the big green button and the phone? This is the worst when, oh man, technology, when it throws you, it's nothing more painful than that. Oh, but nothing more. And it fails. That's what technology does. It's yeah. not very good at it. Very good at failing. You know, everything might be great. I had, um, I did a presentation in front of, a live presentation in front of about 60 lawyers at a large law firm in the city. And the, the, they had these huge screens that would come down, you know, with the projector and the screens wouldn't come down. So now I need to do my entire presentation without any visuals. And I was like, it still went fine because I know my subject, but what, I mean, I was a little perturbed to say the least. Hundred percent. It's very off-putting for the speaker because it, it is a crutch that allows you to move forward. So when you lose that, you're a little wobbly yeah, and you right. need a little extra help. Indeed. So, well, very cool. So if um if people want to get in touch with you and they want to hear more about your services, they want to engage you. Just you know, they want to you know just continue to to figure this out. What's the best way for them to reach you? So uh, you can always email me. My email is Julie J U L L. J-U-L-I-E at Reven.consulting, not .com, .consulting. Uh, you can go to our website at uh, Reven.consulting, and I will speak to anybody. You are planning a virtual event or hybrid event, and you just need a brain pick. Please come pick my brain. Uh, I think anybody that does better virtual and hybrid events will help us all. So yeah. if you have any questions, never hesitate. And shout out to Provisors, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Provisors is best. That's how we met. That's how we met. There we go. Love the provisors. And real quick, um, as we wrap up, game-changing book, uh, no podcast today, uh, but game-changing book, Never Lose a Customer Again. And can you just take 30 seconds and tell us a little bit about that book? This is the best book. As I said, I am not a salesperson. I'm learning. This book is really focused on retaining your clients and turning your clients into your sales force. So incentivizing them to refer you because that's the best lead the warm intro 
And it's really focused around that. So if anybody out there is looking at how to retain your clients and keep them happy so that they refer you, this is just a wonderful read. Yeah, really good stuff, really good stuff. And as we wrap up, I want to, of course, thank our sponsors, Overture and Get Visible. And of course, Get Staffed Up, all terrific partners to the show. And Julie, just want to thank you for being on the show and sharing your wisdom. And I think your business is unique. I think it's in in great need in the legal community as lawyers continue to try to figure out how to market themselves and how to brand themselves. And speaking, you know, it used to be, you know, 80% of the way that they got their name out. And now that's gone down to 20 and they haven't really figured out how to bring it back. And that's where you come in. So just really great stuff. Thank you for having me, Steve. Yeah. And thank you, everybody, for spending time with uh, Julie and myself today. Uh, as usual, helping you to be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Be well. We will talk again very soon. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.